in anything we do, it's always important to not lose sight of the basics. So today in this episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we're going to be talking about three basic and practical songwriting tips. We're going to keep it really easy today. Let's dive into it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. As always, I am your host, Joseph Adala. Today, we're talking about three basic, practical songwriting tips. Let's just dive right into it. The first practical, basic tip that I have for you is to start your song with something important. So something that... uh, Many of you probably, if you've listened to this podcast before, I, I, I kind of tease the whole, you know, start a song with a chord progression on the guitar. And, you know, I've clarified many times, but just to make sure again, I poke fun at that literally just because that is the most common go-to. And it, of course, is perfectly viable. So if you do that, there's nothing wrong with that. I do that sometimes too. Nothing wrong with that. But we shouldn't limit ourselves to just that. And in fact, I think that's actually towards the weaker end of how we can start our songs. I've talked before about how songwriting is a funnel. And the reason I call it a funnel is because at the top of a funnel, you have the most space, right? And as the funnel goes down, right, as you progress down the funnel, there's less and less space, which is how by the end you end up getting, you know, if you have a big funnel, right, you can pour liquid into it. But by the end, it comes out of a very small space, right? So you can take liquid that otherwise would be hard to control and put it in a very specific place, like whether you're putting oil in your car or whether you're using it for cooking or whatever. And songwriting is the same thing. Every decision you make, the next decision, you kind of have less creative room, right? So as soon as, for example, you have syllables in your lines, right? So if you, let's say your verse structure is five syllables for the, for the first line and then, you know, seven syllables for the second, and then it's, you know, five, seven, five, seven, something like that. Your, your melody is now limited, right? Because you, you, your, your melody can't be like 12 notes or probably can't be right. Cause you only have like five, five syllables. How, how are you going to get five syllables to be 12 different notes? Unless you just go crazy everywhere on one syllable, it's going to sound weird. That's not, that's not what you should do, right? Like generally the, the melody and your lyrics should work together, not against one, one another. So that's maybe a more obvious example, but, uh, or another example, right? Once you start writing a song in the, in the key of, of D, D major, say your melody is now somewhat constrained. Like, yes, of course you can do things outside of the key. I'm not saying once you sign up for the key of D major, like you can never play a C note because in the key of D major, it's C sharp and you can never do a C like, well, no, that's not, that's not true. But most of the time you are going to be pretty much constrained to, uh, all the notes that you have within, within the key of D major. So that's what I mean by being a funnel. Uh, so because of that, you want to utilize that highest creative room at the top of your funnel, which is at the beginning. So start with something that's more important than chord progression, because chord progression is something that most people don't notice, most people don't care about, and ends up getting buried, right? Uh, some people, myself included, 
care deeply about the lyrics to the point that I'm almost definitely not going to like a song if it doesn't have good lyrics. That's just like a prerequisite for me. Um, and if the lyrics are garbage, I'm certainly not going to like it. If the lyrics are average, but the rest of the music's really good, I, I can be fine with that. But, uh, you know, so there are some of us like that. And then I think everybody on the planet, pretty much, except seemingly <laughs> drummers sometimes, but but the vast majority of human beings care about the melody, right? That's what they're singing along with in the car. That's what they remember. Even if they kind of don't remember the lyrics and, you know, they, they kind of fade in and out with how confident they are in the lyrics, uh, which, by the way, they do know enough to at least somewhat sing along in the car, right? Um, they they definitely know the melody, especially the chorus melody, right? If you know a song at all, the first thing you're going to know, 99 times out of 100, is parts of the chorus melody. So melody is very important. And hooks in a song are very important, right? Think of you know, your classic piano riffs or bass lines, right? So like Don't Stop Believing with the bass line and frankly the piano part or Clocks by Coldplay, that, that piano part or 100 Years by, by Five for Fighting, the piano part, right? Like those type things, which are all different forms of hooks, which a hook is basically just, uh, think of it like an instrumental part, usually. I mean, so it, it, your vocal melody can also be a hook. But but for the sake of this discussion, we're specifically talking about, you know, a really memorable guitar part that that starts off a song. Or, you know, what I just talked about, the piano riffs, right? So like clocks, that main piano riff that plays throughout the song and works as the intro, right? That's, that's a hook for you into the song. That's how you instantly are like, oh, that's clocks by Coldplay. Whereas, you know, uh, a chord progression... Usually is not very memorable, right? Chord progressions tend to, there's only so many to use. Uh, you know, there's, there's usually not that much new under the sun when it comes to chord progressions. You know, if you do a GDC chord progression, like congratulations, you and 99% of songs, which is not to be disparaging towards that, right? It's just, that's not where your song's going to shine, right? I mean, I, I've done a song off of literally two chords. I'd use the one chord and the five chord. That's it. The whole song is just, is, is, is literally G and D, G and D major, um, in the key of G major. And it works and it's fine, right? Two chords couldn't be more basic that way, but I make it interesting with the rest of the stuff because nobody cares about the chord progression. And by nobody, I know there are no comments here. But don't at me and be like, Joseph, there's this one song where the chord progression basically is the same as the hook or the guitar riff, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Of course there are some. But in almost all cases, the melody is more important. The lyrics are usually more important, or at least to me they certainly are. The lyrics are most debatable, right? Uh, I would argue that they are the most important, whether your listeners feel that way or not. It's a totally different discussion, as I do generally agree with, with some uh, <laughs> some YouTube commenters who have said some version of how disappointed they are that they spend all this time on lyrics only for the average listener to not care. To which my my short argument to that is, uh, y yes, a lot of your average listeners don't care, but I would argue people that if you care about lyrics and you're going to take your time with lyrics, your real core audience are the people who are going to appreciate that and appreciate the fact that you put more effort into lyrics than the average artist. Um, whereas, you know, 
yes, people who listen to garbage like WAP or whatever else is on the radio, you know, the, the newest Katy Perry song or whatever, like, yeah, they don't care about lyrics. They also have, like, I mean, <laughs> of course they don't. Look at what they listen to, right? Like, which is fine, right? It's fine. I enjoy McDonald's sometimes, but that means I probably shouldn't be a burger critic, right? <laughs> like, like this is just, your audience will appreciate the effort you put into lyrics. Soapbox aside, so, so don't worry about the people who don't. And hey, look, as long as you get the rest of the song right too, even if they don't appreciate the lyrics, they might still like your song, right? But for those of us who do care about lyrics, if the rest of your song crushes it and your lyrics suck, we don't care. We're out already. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how good the melody is. So the lyrics are still very important, even if I do agree with those uh, those people that say that it, it is kind of discouraging. A lot of people don't care as much as they should about lyrics when we're talking about the average listener. Uh, I do agree with that. But the hook is the last one. Melody, lyrics, hook. If you can, when you start songwriting, start with that. Start by writing a piano hook, not a chord progression. Start by coming up with a cool guitar riff hook or, you know, whatever other instrument. Doesn't matter. Come up with a melody first. Maybe start even with the lyrics. Try to do that more often than just sitting with a guitar coming up with a chord progression. In the beginning of how you start your song, which is why I have a whole free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song, is because the start is how you set the tone, right? Uh, you, if you're into sports at all, you've probably seen games where a team comes out and sets the tone early and just never relinquishes that. They just never get lax about it, right? They set the tone, and even though the two teams, in theory, it was supposed to be a good game, a close game, uh, but one team comes out, sets the tone, and then it ends up being a blowout when nobody thought it would be, right? So if you're into sports at all, you've probably seen that scenario. The game's hyped up, and then it doesn't, it doesn't really fall that way, right? It, it ends up being kind of disappointing because one team comes in, sets the tone, and then that, that kind of goes for the entire game. In the same way, you can set the tone for your song, right? If, if, you, if, if the spark, that song seed you come up with, that really cool guitar hook, that melody, whatever it is, how you start the song is going to impact the entire rest of the song. A, because, well, it's a part of the song, right? So the melody somewhat constricts the rest of the song. Back to the songwriting as a funnel point. Uh, but the other part of it is it also is going to determine how excited you are about the song. Right? If you do something kind of cool and different or something that really resonates with you, like you're, you're more likely to, to come back tomorrow and be excited to work on that song and really make sure that the rest of it shines because you think, you know, that guitar hook's so amazing. I don't want it to be in a song that is otherwise a letdown, right? You don't want the song to be a one-trick pony, like, oh, the guitar hook's cool, but nobody cares about the rest. Um, or maybe you do, but hopefully you don't, right? So start with something important. Practical, basic tip number one. And also, it, sh it should be noted, you may or may not agree uh, with some of, you know, how, how I look at things and how important they are. And that's okay, right? So whatever is important to you, right? If, if, if for whatever reason to you, you know, the most important thing is an exotic time signature or, or something that to me is like, it doesn't matter. Why would somebody care about that? It doesn't matter what I think, right? It matters what you think. So you as a songwriter, you as a creative, what 
to you is most important in your songs or in this specific song, try to start from something that is important to you. Number two, when you're stuck, keep playing and singing your song until you get to the part where there's no more song and then try to just feel where the song's supposed to go. So to me, this is, this is the, the best hack. Um, and it's, it's, I almost don't want to call it a hack because it, it seems like it would be the most intuitive thing to do. Uh, but I don't necessarily know that a lot of people do it. Maybe you do this already, in which case, great. But um, let's say you have a verse and a chorus written. And you haven't written uh, the bridge yet. So musically, right, if you have the first verse written with lyrics and everything and the chorus, you at least have the music of the second verse written, right? At least the bait, because verses are going to be the same music. The arrangement's probably going to be different, uh, but the same underlying chords, the same melody, etc. generally. 99 times out of 100. So music-wise, you've effectively, probably, let's if we assume it to be a basic standard song structure where you have, you know, first verse, chorus, second verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, or some version of that, right? It can be first, second verse, chorus. It doesn't, that part doesn't matter, right? But we're saying uh, in this case, no pre-chorus, no post-chorus, whatever. In that case, keep playing that end of the chorus or maybe the whole chorus or however long it takes you to start to get some momentum, and playing and feeling the song that you've written so far. And then instead of just ending at the end of the chorus, do one at least one thing where you just take a guess at what comes next. So for example, if you're playing and you're playing the guitar, we'll take the guitar because I think most of you are pri- pri- primarily guitarists. Um, certainly, I think your average songwriter. I don't know the stats on this. I would like to know. I assume it's somewhere in the like 80% range that your primary instrument is the guitar. Uh, but I think those of us that, pr- that prefer piano are, are in the minority. And I, I think significant minority, even though if I were to guess piano is number two on that list, I would guess it goes guitar, piano, and then I don't know, bass, maybe I'd, whatever's third would be very, very distant. Uh, anyway, <laughs> If you enjoy this podcast, go leave a review on iTunes, which I see plenty of you have been doing recently, which I really, 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 really appreciate. I've read some of those and they make me, um, well, I shouldn't say I've read some of those. I read those as they come up. And as I do, it uh, it reinvigorates me, gives me some warm fuzzies, which you may or may not care about that part, right? Uh, <laughs> but um, regardless, I hope you know that is appreciated. I do read them and it does, it does make me, uh, uh, I appreciate it. And I hope you know that, but, uh, if you haven't be sure to leave a review, preferably if you feel you can leave five stars, if you feel like you can't, uh, I always say this, but I would prefer, um, cause I, I want to be able to deserve five stars from you. Uh, so shoot me an email, joseph at songwritertheory.com, which is J-O-S-E-P-H. So if you sent an email to me or you thought you did and you haven't gotten a response to me or from me, I believe as of today, I, there's a couple emails in the last week that I need to respond to. But if you've emailed me before, I, I respond to literally all of the emails. 
uh, might take a little bit, but all of them. So if I, if you think I didn't respond to you, that means I didn't catch your email. So you might want to try again, make sure the spelling's right. But um, let me know how I can improve to to earn five stars from you. And you don't have to tell me explicitly, like, hey man, uh, right now you're like a three and a half stars, and you can get five by talking about this and this. You, I mean, you don't have to say it like that, right? But you can just send me an email. Tell me things that you think uh, need to be talked about or, you know, however else you want to do it. But anyway, if you do feel you can leave five stars, please do so. Um, I totally forget how we even got there. But um, anyway, once you get to the end of the chorus, don't just end on that chord and end on the last note you sing. From there, try to improvise one thing and and do it while trying to hear where the song is going, right? So when you come to the end of that chorus, does it feel like the song needs to like break down and have a really kind of soft, pensive bridge? Or does it feel like, okay, the energy's growing and now the energy needs to explode in the bridge? Or does it feel like the energy needs to kind of kind of go up a little bit more? Does it feel like the bridge should be something where it's like doubling down on what the chorus was doing, right? So probably your chorus is going to have a lot of one chords, a lot of five chords, right? Because um, those are pretty strong chords and the one chord is your home, your home chord. Uh, if you don't know what one chord means, basically, if you're in the key of C major, your C major chord would be the one chord. If you're in the key of D minor, the D minor would be the one chord. That's what that is. It's the one that feels like home, feels like the song's complete. It's this chord that if you play at the end of the song, it feels like, boom, song's over, and it doesn't leave people hanging. That's the one chord. But normally in the chorus, you're going to be doing that a lot as a part of what sort of tips the listener off uh, to, hey, this is sort of the main point, right? This is This is... This is the main part of this song. So maybe you want to double down on that feeling and actually continue that in the bridge. Maybe, though, you want to change it up. And now you want to go to the sixth chord. You want to do a two chord, too. And 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 let's say you're in a major key. You might even want to go so far as to go to the relative minor key. Or if not, you at least might want to be more minor focused. A lot of bridges, you know, say the verses are basically like one, five, one, five, four, five or something. And then the chorus is, let's say, one, five, six, four, right? The most made fun of chord progression in human history. Um, uh, as as um, increased by the Axis of Awesome song that points out just how many pop songs are in that chord. You utilize that chord progression. But um, so in the bridge, because you've had almost all major chords so far with a little bit of the minor six, which is the most commonly used minor chord in a major key in the bridge. It might be a good time to really double down on minor and use the two chord, use the three chord, use the six, maybe just exclusively be using, uh, you know, avoid the one chord, right? You want to go the opposite direction of the chorus that sort of hits that home one chord. Maybe you want your bridge to really build back into the chorus and 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 sort of leave the listener hanging. Don't give them any one chords. Um, and that's all getting a little technical, right? But really the idea I'm going for here is to try to visualize and then guess. So that might mean you singing a note and it might not work. And that's okay. 
But don't just finish your song at that chorus when you haven't written the bridge yet. Maybe try guessing a chord. See how that see how that feels. And if you're decent at improvising, just straight up improvise from there. This is something I do very often. You know, if I'm at the keyboard at the piano, I've written the verse, the chorus. At the end of the chorus, I'll just improvise from there. See what happens. Most of the time it ends up being like, oh, that's nice. Doesn't fit the song though, <laughs> right? And that's fine, right? I'm just I'm working through different things that don't work until I find something that does. So Try to improvise at least one note though, right? Even if you are sitting there like, I don't know the first thing about improvisation, that's fine. All you have to do is guess one thing. Like, I, I know something you can do is you finish singing the last note of your chorus and then sing one more note. You can do that, right? Like any of us can do that. You're a songwriter. You, you at least have some level of musicality to you. I'm not saying that you're going to nail it the first time, but I am saying that you are able and capable of doing that. Of course you are. Right? You're listening to this podcast, so so you absolutely are capable of doing that. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Um, so try playing the song, get to the point where you haven't written the part yet, and then guess at least one thing. If you can, you know, guess a guitar chord while singing a note, you know, sort of guessing where the song might go, even better. Right? If you can do both at once. But do at least one of these, and do it every time you get to that point. Eventually you might find something where you're like, ooh, I really like that transition. Right? Like, I really like the fact that the end of the chorus ended on the one chord, and then I actually go to the two chord, and I sing a note that, that just feels kind of jarring and off, that, that really grabs the attention, right? After the song's kind of settled in, it's like, whoa, that's an interesting change-up, right? So that is, to me at least, one of the best hacks and one of my favorite ways to figure out, because often, right, what a there's basically two main problems in songwriting. Starting a song, right, which we covered with tip number one, and then that point where you're stuck and you have a partial song, right? Because, you know, if if, if songwriting was just come up with, you know, uh, 20 seconds worth of music, come up with a little motif, if you will, then all of us would probably write five songs a day <laughs> because that's not very hard or long to do. It's hard... And, and takes a long time is all the different pieces working together, the lyrics, the melody, the transitions, the chord progressions, you know, the, the, the arrangement. Um, so one of the best ways to sort of get unstuck is this uh, almost mini improvisation that we're talking here, um, which is when you're stuck, just try to keep playing until you get to the part where there's no more song, then try to hear where the song feels like it should go. Try to listen to your song, see where it wants to go. It also helps too. Sometimes I'll just sit and uh, I'll sort of listen in my head to how I imagine the recording of my song would be, right? And and in my head, of course, I have the greatest, you know, mixing engineer ever working on them. Um, so it sounds perfect, right? It has all the perfect parts that I want. Uh, or maybe it might end up, you know, I'm listening to the arrangement I actually do have so far if I have one. And then from there, I just try to listen to what would I want the recording of this song to do, um, which is a more passive way of doing it. But number three, so start with something important when you're stuck, uh, kind of just keep playing or try to keep playing, at least guess the next notes uh, of the song or the next chords of the song, wherever you haven't written it yet, um, or for the song section you haven't written yet. Number three. 
Make the process less overwhelming by breaking it down into smaller, completable steps. One of the biggest struggles, I think, in, in all of writing is people try to do too much at once, right? They look at a blank page and say, what should I write about? Or even worse, what am I writing today? And then people, and you may have been here. I've been here, okay? So no judgment here. You know, maybe this is even you today. Last night, you brought up a Google Doc or something, looked at a blank page, said, okay, I'm super excited to write today. What am I going to write about? And then an, an hour later or a half hour later, you found yourself on YouTube. And if you're anything like me, obsessively watching all of the press conferences of the Denver Broncos, <laughs> because, because, yep, that's that's me, or, or watching Shark Tank at the moment on Hulu, which... I'm very glad I discovered that all of it was on Hulu. But anyway, regardless of what it is you find yourself doing, right? The, the moral of the story is you find yourself failing, right? You don't end up writing anything. And the reason that that happens to us is that we set ourselves up to fail, right? We're trying to bite off more than we can chew. It's like trying to write a book in its final edited form the first time you start writing without doing any development work beforehand, right? You haven't done any world building. You haven't even figured out what makes the characters tick at a basic level. You are just deciding, well, I'm going to write a book, right? Like, what, 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 what do you mean a book? What's it about? What's this genre, right? Is this a science fiction taking place in a galaxy far, far away with some fantasy elements, <clears throat> Star Wars, right? Like, or, or is it, or is it a, uh, you know, a romance historical something in like 1850. And then from there, what country, right? What's the scenario? Who's your main character, right? Like even a 1850 romance. Well, is, is, is it a, a young woman in, in, you know, United States or is it an older woman in uh, China or something, right? <laughs> like th those are radically different things, right? Different stories, different things you need to understand, right? And one, you're probably going to need to understand where American history is at that point, right? And the other one, you're going to need to understand Chinese history. And if you don't know anything about Chinese history, you have no business writing that book, right? It's going to seem jarring and inaccurate and weird because you're going to be talking about things where it's like, wait a second, this doesn't sound like China. This, this seems, this seems wrong, right? Like none of these things fit culturally with, with China. None of these, like, like, is this person... Am I right about the setting of this book, right? I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, having, having a whole movie that's supposed to be take place in the Sahara Desert, but it's actually in a forest, right? That's a, maybe a more extreme example, but you have to do your homework. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to understand your characters, where they're coming from, what the culture around them is, what the, what the setting around them is. And our songs are really no different, so don't set yourself up to fail, by trying to bite off more than you can chew. This is why I break things down into a process. Shameless plug for the six-step lyric writing checklist where I break down, you know, basically my process of how I do this from a lyrical perspective, right? So there's the idea sheet. I just gather ideas so that at any given time, I am never staring at a blank page trying to write something new with no ideas, right? I have a whole list of ideas for me to work off of. And then from there, I do, I, I do more stuff like the brainstorm sheet, 
where before I start to even remotely try to write lyrics, I write prose, backstory, I do some like development writing or object writing. So I have like pages worth of stuff. I go get pictures from Google images that inspire me, right? So I have all this stuff built up before I try to write a single lyric. I try to figure out what character is this, right? Is it me? Is it sort of a, a different version of me? Is it how I would envision myself feeling in, in, the, in the position of this totally fictitious person? Is it based on a person I know, right? Like, and figuring out the backstory of these things too. If it's you, it's easy, right? Like y- you know your backstory. I don't think you need to flesh it out per se. But if you're taking somebody else's perspective, it's important to at least get some idea of that person, their world, their struggles, you know, what, what, what scenario they're in. So break your process down into smaller, completable steps. The other bonus of this is that at any given point, at least the way I've broken down my songwriting process, I can jump in for 15 minutes, not have any inspiration per se, and still get work done on my songwriting. Which I think is great, right? Because we don't want to be bottlenecked by if we're inspired that day, right? Because inspiration is somewhat fickle. Even when I do all the right things to try to stay inspired or whatever, the tendency still is. On average, within a year, I'll have like two, three months where the majority of the songwriting happens. And the rest is all perspiration, working out specifics about lyrics, changing words, doing iterative lyric editing, which is in that six-step checklist I mentioned. Which, by the way, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist if you're interested. Link will be in the description. But it's at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist if you're interested. Uh, The iterative lyric editing or iterative lyric Writing is one of those steps, step six, or sorry, step five of the six, um, which is incredibly important. My personal favorite step. But um, no matter where I'm at for songwriting, I am always in a state that I can do a tiny amount of work that moves the needle forward. That's a baby step in the right direction. Whereas if you're setting yourself up to fail, staring at blank pages... You are not in that position, right? You, you could, an hour a day for a week, spend quote-unquote songwriting and actually get literally nothing done, not move the needle at all. And that's what we want to avoid, right? And you can avoid it. You can. Just by breaking down the process into smaller chunks. Again, on the lyrical side, just go grab the, the um six-step lyric checklist, and that will help you out with that. Although I just mentioned several of the ideas in this episode. Again, you know, brainstorm sheet, basically a, a thing. I use Google Drive, but I have one document that has a bunch of working ideas. Whenever I get an idea, idea, I write it down. I'm even doing the same thing for like humor comedy stuff because low-key in the future, something I want to do is like a a something in the, I really appreciate humor and comedy stuff. I'd like to do like a YouTube show. That's kind of like office esque kind of like curb your enthusiasm esque. Obviously I don't expect to actually be able to do things as amazing as, as those shows, but, but like it just, it just would be fun. So anyway, either way, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes I get humorous ideas. I'm just going to write them down because why not? Someday I might use them. I might also never use them and, you know, 50 years from now, 
what I just said, nothing even remotely close to it ever happens. I stick with, I stay in my lane, if you will, into, into songwriting and, and, uh, other things like that. But regardless, even for that, I write, I'm starting to write ideas down, right? And that's not the main thing I do, but for songwriting, I certainly, I write down every idea I have. That's one thing I recommend. The other thing is that uh, brainstorm sheet I mentioned, the idea of sort of doing some development work before you actually try writing lyrics, right? Lyrics is the idea of you have syllables, you have meter, right? You might even be worrying about rhyming, which for the record in your first, uh, in your don't do a first draft, that's a whole other spiel. I have, I think, a whole episode about that. Also, I think I talk about it in the six-step lyric checklist, why you shouldn't write a quote-unquote first draft, and you should just write uh, tons of versions, basically. Um, but uh, what you want to do is spend some time developing the idea before you f- force yourself into the very constrained world of having to write lyrics. You know, you don't want to go from barely an idea to, hey, let me write a lyric that has to have the right meter, right? And also has to have the right rhyme scheme. Like it's, it's way too big of a leap. You got to break it down. Google Images is very helpful. Doing some prose writing, uh, fleshing out the story a little bit just in you know regular words, right? Not trying to do lyrics. Uh, so that those are the three tips. But I have a bonus one here that I sort of touched on, but I want to go a little bit deeper on. Which also, by the way, if you want an analogy, um, it would be like trying to finish a video game in one run through without ever using the save feature, right? No checkpoints for you. Let's say it's a four hour video game or a six hour story video game and you can't die ever. So you can't make a mistake and you can't go to the bathroom or go get some food because you don't save, right? So there's no, there's no like, Hey, you know, I, I have 20 minutes before, I have to go to some party or something. Let me get the game out, complete a level, save, and then, you know, I, I'm now one step closer to finishing the game, right? You're not giving yourself any of that if you just kind of force yourself into this weird scenario where you go from bl- you're trying to go straight from blank page to lyrics, uh, which, of course, in my opinion, is, is skipping at least four steps, if not more. So anyway, bonus tip. Inspiration is overrated and perspiration is underrated. So I know it's one of those, like, um, I'm always really hesitant to use words and things that are kind of in that eye roll worthy, like all of the, like, uh, almost toxic positivity YouTube talks about it, right? Uh, I'm pretty hesitant on that stuff uh, because, well, I think it can be helpful and I'm certainly not hating on that stuff. Uh, Sometimes it's just obnoxious and non-helpful, right? Where it's like, you can do it constantly. And there's no, like, I don't know. It's just, it it borders on the, on the side of delusion of like, all you have to do is believe like, well, that's objectively not true and a ridiculous claim, but okay. YouTuber who, anyway, (laughs) so my point is, uh, I try to stay away from that. And a lot of, you know, it is kind of a th- overused thing of like, you know, it's it's not about inspiration, it's about perspiration. And, you know, it's, it's 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. But I got to be honest, that is uh, pretty correct. Um, which honestly, a lot of those things are like kind of correct. It's just like done in such an annoying, overused, 
cliched way that you kind of just learn to resent it, even if it does have some wisdom underneath it. But anyway, um, inspiration is something that you should view as a, a creator of any kind, but specifically as a songwriter, it's a great fire starter, right? It's, it's, it's a great thing to sort of a match, if you will. It's also a great accelerator, right? It's like throwing, uh, gasoline on the fire or lighter fluid or something, right? It's, it's a great way to kind of like take a little flame and then, and there's, you know, now there's a big flame. Um, but at the end of the day, perspiration is what's going to get that job done. At the end of the day, the fire does need to not re- like if you're going to have a campfire, right? You really do need to not rely on, you know, throwing a new match in every, th- you know, three minutes because you probably don't have that many matches or you're going to run out of fuel in your lighter or whatever. And you're going to run out of, uh, f- I just said what the word is, whatever it is, like accelerator st- Stuff that makes your fire lighter fluid. Yes, no, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the stuff that, that makes the fire go boom. No, um, the stuff that uh, makes it so that the, basically t- makes the small fire easily grow into a bigger fire. Like gasoline, but safer. Um, so that's the way that you should see inspiration. It's great. It's helpful. Inspiration is the best way to accelerate processes it's the best way to like if you spend one or two months of being really inspired for whatever reason those might be the one or two months in the year where you write 50 percent of your song material for that year which is great um but you're not going to finish those five songs for the ep that you're going to do this year for example if you don't spend the rest of the time perspiring and working at it if you just wait for the muse i believe like episode three or four of this podcast which now we're on what like 144 but um one of the first episodes I said, don't wait for the muse, uh, which is absolutely, I love how I'm about to say, what I said forever ago, absolutely true. You must believe it. Like, of, of course I believe what I said is true, right? Isn't that, isn't that kind of how things work? Um, not that there aren't some things I'm sure that I would say, eh, I don't fully agree with that anymore or allow me to add this extra stipulation. But anyway... Perspiration is important. It's what's going to get the job done at the end of the day. Uh, and you have total control of it, which, by the way, if you don't know, right, per- perspiration, which means sweat. In this case, not literal, right? I'm not saying you got to go on the treadmill <laughs> when you're songwriting. The idea is just put the work in, right? You can't just rely on inspiration. And a part of the problem with inspiration, right, is it's fickle. It comes, it goes, we can somewhat... Um, inspire the muse to join us. It's kind of like luck, right? There are thing, a lot of things you can do to make luck go your way, or quote-unquote luck go your way. For the most part, I don't think luck exists, but um, luck is really just your perception of, of the results of probability, but that's getting into a whole more computer science side of me state that none of you come here for. So anyway, the point is, so, sometimes you, you see things, and from the outside, you're like, oh, well, you know... The, that was lucky. Well, what you didn't see is the amount of work that went behind it and that they kept making the right decisions and eventually one of them disproportionately helped them out with, you know, whatever it is. Uh, maybe it's songwriting success, maybe it's something else. But um, that's sort of what the muse is. That's sort of what inspiration is. It's fickle. Uh, we can somewhat inspire us to or inspire it to visit us more by putting in the work, right? The more we put in the work, more like like you're much more likely to get inspired when you're songwriting 
not inspired than you are to get inspired when you're watching Netflix or, in my case, Shark Tank on Hulu, free advertising, right? As if they need it from me. But, um, you know, so the best way to inspire the muse to come join forces with you is to do the perspiration part. But it's still fickle. You can perspire over songs. You can work over songs for months and months and months, and the muse just totally abandon you. You cannot control that. You can always control putting the work in. Right? You can decide this week that you're going to spend 40 minutes songwriting in the next two days or three days or something. That was a really weird arbitrary number to pick. Uh, let's change that. You can say the next three days I'm going to do an hour of songwriting a day. Right? You can control that. You can't control whether the muse joins you. You can inspire it to join you. You can do the right things to give yourself a higher chance of the muse joining you, a.k.a. inspiration, bestowing its glories upon you. Um, but you can't control it. You can control whether you choose to put the work in. That being said, I, say, I think I want to say this after every podcast now. If you've listened to several podcasts straight and you haven't done songwriting, go do that. Don't listen to the next episode. Let's say you're listening to this in the future and I'm on podcast like 200 and you're not listening to this remotely within the time that I recorded it. Uh, if you are that person and you're like ripping through the podcast, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I love all of you as listeners. I really love when you shoot me emails and getting to talk with you all. Those of you who comment on the YouTube video side of things. Um, so I'm certainly not saying I don't appreciate you listening, but at the end of the day, hopefully you listening is uh, because you want to become a better songwriter. And at the end of the day, uh, well, obviously I think this podcast would help you uh, and certainly has helped others. It's more important that you put the work in of songwriting. So if you find yourself that you've listened to th two, three, four podcasts straight, uh, unless, you know, maybe right now you're flooring your house or, or something like that and you, and, and you, you can't really do songwriting. You're a little too busy for that, but you can kind of passively listen to podcasts. That's a little different. But for the most part, if you find yourself, like you've listened to two, three, four, five, five plus podcasts straight, and you haven't actually taken time to songwrite, and instead you are just listening and learning about songwriting, the best thing you can do is shut this off. Don't listen to the next episode. Don't listen to the next episode until you spend at least, let's say, an hour. Let's say an hour of songwriting, at least. Uh, preferably, you take like a whole week off, if, especially if you've listened to like 20 straight. Like take a whole week off. Don't, don't listen to me. I'm not that important. And then go work on your craft. Because at the end of the day, if you don't actually get song better at songwriting, this podcast is for nothing. Um, so make sure that you actually go put the work in this week. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it every single one of you. If you haven't already, be sure to download that lyric checklist. It's at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. It breaks down the six steps that I utilize. Thank you for listening. I know I've said that 500 times and you're like, really? You still haven't wrapped up? What the heck, man? What are you doing? Uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate every single one of you and I will talk to you next time.